Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to the Steelers Fix podcast, a part of the Steel Curtain Network from Fans First Sports. Here on the Fix, we talk all things Steelers with a focus on roster building and player development. My name is Jeremy Betts, one of your hosts for this podcast. It comes to you every Tuesday afternoon, right at noon, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Andrew Wilbar. Andrew, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well. I did find out today that I have a test that I was not even aware of tomorrow. We're recording this Monday night. So you can uh, guess that probably what I'm going to be doing after we're done recording tonight and probably have another late night. But, you know, it is what it is. It's part of college and then work a nine and a half hour shift tomorrow. Fun stuff. Yeah, we're recording this on Monday night, middle of the Monday night football game. So uh, that is going on right now. Uh, Some MLB playoffs as well happening right now. A lot going on in the sports world. Um, but Steelers coming off a, a big win this week against the Baltimore Ravens. They head into the bye at three and two and sitting atop somehow, some way, the AFC North division uh, in a in, in a tie um, by virtue of record with the Baltimore Ravens, whom they just beat. But obviously having the head to head matchup and a better conference um, record right now, they get the tiebreaker. So Steelers head in as the. Uh, top dogs in the AFC North. Uh, We can debate whether that'll be for long, Andrew, or not, but that's not the big question we're going to ask today. The big question we're going to ask today later in the show, is this offense salvageable at all in 2023? We'll get to our answers for that in the second portion of the show. But first, our two-minute drills, Andrew, a lot to talk about in college football and fantasy football this week. So let's just jump right into it. well, before we do that, Andrew, just let me give let me get your overall thoughts of the Steelers' performance, real just real quick before we jumped in the two minute drills uh, from their win over the uh, Ravens on Sunday. I like what one of the guys, I believe it was Phil Sims, said on the post game show, NFL Today post game show, and he said every team that wants to win a championship needs to learn how to win games ugly, and the Steelers are winning their fair share of them ugly. Yep. It's a win that's the most important thing, but I, you can tell the offensive players, you can tell Kenny Pickett doesn't believe in this offense. George Pickens definitely does not believe in this offense. I don't think anybody outside of maybe Mike Tomlin, I'm not even sure Matt Canada believes in his own offense at this point. <laughs> it, it's gotten that bad, and it's not going to get any better with Deontay Johnson coming back. It's There's not a whole lot that can be done immediately. It The Steelers' offense is going to be bad until a schematic change is made. Yeah. But it, it just kind of feels like a waste, Jeremy, unless we actually see something happen over the bye week. It almost feels like a waste of time. We, even if we manage to get to the 500 record or 9-8, and eight, which we probably will because that's what always happens with Mike Tomlin, mm-hmm. and we're in the playoff hunt until the last week, even if we make it into the playoffs, who's excited about the Steelers playing in wildcard weekend? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, men- I'm not I mean, really. Yeah, I mentioned this um, on Jeff's show, I think it was this last week, you know, if even or maybe it was the Steelers Q and A. You know, even if the Steelers make the playoffs, do we really expect anything other than a forty-plus point beatdown like they suffered against the Chiefs a couple of years ago? You know, do you really expect them to to go into Buffalo and and hang with the Bills? Or you know, I, I mean, there's there's tons of questions still. It's still a long season, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's a win. It still doesn't inspire much confidence for your team. Because your win so far, two di- division opponents that you've had handles on in recent years, uh, Mike Tomlin just knows how to 
prep for these division games. They're always ugly. He uglies them up. The Steelers ugly them up, and they win them. And then you you beat the the Raiders, who have their own issues. And your other two losses have been big time blowouts to teams who actually know how to run offenses. So it, it it's not inspiring at all. However, it's a W, and uh, we take the Ws as we get them because some teams they don't get a lot of those, and so we'll take it. Uh, and recognize that there are issues and and things to improve upon as well. All right, Andrew, let's just jump into these two-minute drills here. You've got a lot to talk about from the weekend that was in college football, lots of big games and uh, big-time performances from playmakers. I'm popping up my, my stopwatch right now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it in three, two, one, go. How about Trey Benson running back from Florida state had a big 80 plus yard run and their game this past weekend. He's a transfer from Oregon only had 11 carries, but did get 200 yards on those 11 carries. He doesn't have a whole lot of tread cause he's not, he just used kind of in a committee at Florida state really, but at 200 rushing yards, a touchdown this week, he's averaging like 7.8 yards per carry this season, six foot one, two twenty three, has decent speed in the open field as well. He's a guy that I'm keeping an eye on. If he decides to declare early teams are going to like the fact that there's not a bunch of tread on the tires with Trey Benson, Ashton Jalot, a uh, defensive lineman from Louisville, six foot three, two seventy, has a lot of size, has some versatility along outside can move inside on third downs. Had one and a half sacks versus Notre Dame. He has six and a half sacks this season. Devin Neal, strong safety from Louisville. We could be seeing a safety emerging here. Uh, He had two interceptions this week against Notre Dame, a key part in Louisville's great defensive performance Mm -hmm. against Notre Dame. Also had another pass defendant, eight tackles as well. Not the biggest strong safety, but he he puts himself in good position. He has good closing speed. Keep an eye on that name, just a junior, but wouldn't be surprised if he declares early. Jermaine Burton from Alabama. We've been waiting for him to break out. He hasn't done much this year, partially due to poor offensive play by Alabama, but he finally had his breakout game. Nine catches, 170, 197 yards, two touchdowns. It's six foot, roughly 194. Could add a little bit more bulk to his frame and do a little bit better on those contested catches. But I'll tell you what, this guy knows how to separate. Not necessarily the cleanest route runner, but he can do a lot of different things. Edgar and Cooper from Texas A&M, another guy who's breaking out, had three sacks this week. He has six sacks in the last three three weeks he's kind of a tweener outside linebacker slash inside linebacker six foot two two thirty he'd be a really good fit in a four three team i think a team like seattle would be a really good fit for cooper had 11 tackles this week six of which were solo oluafimi oladejo linebacker from ucla six foot three two fifty he's a thumper not a whole lot of speed but one pass defend an interception this week in their big win over washington state and alex johnson six foot one one ninety two tackles one interception safety on the rise good timing man and we've gotten too good at this we're gonna have to uh not give each other the countdown at the end of it. <laughs> Just cut each other off. I think that yes. would be more fun, probably. Um, okay. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, um, I didn't get a chance to watch as much college football this weekend as I wanted to. Andrew, I don't think I told you this yet. Maybe you saw it. Um, maybe not. I was actually at Falcons Texans this weekend. Yeah, you did mention something about so, that. Yeah, so we uh, drove down on... Uh, to Atlanta from Asheville, North Carolina. It's only two and a half hours. It's great. My brother had club seats uh, wow. for free from his company, and we got to get down on the field before the game. We got to go in the club area where they had free food and everything and sit How on the, the food. Oh, man, it's good stuff. Great selection, too. So if you ever get a chance to go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, pay an extra 
couple hundred bucks. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what those tickets cost typically. And get down on the field like that because that was fantastic. That's the way to. That's the way to watch football games for sure. So, as a college um, student, I probably will not take that advice until at yeah. least after college. Sure. But yeah, save save up. Bikes. You know, everything you make right now. Don't pay for extra books. You know, don't 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 do those important things. Don't plan do the for marriage. Really, don't do yeah, anything no, like that. Just yeah. No, no. Just uh, save up for those yeah. those uh, tickets to a game that's not even your team playing. You know, oh, that's the way could be at Mercedes Benz Stadium when Michigan's in the national championship game. Yeah, that's not going to happen either. So don't get your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let me do uh, my stuff here on the two minute drill. You got a timer ready for me? I do. All right, let's do it. All right, on your mark, get Jamar Chase set in those lineups and go. Yeah, that's where we're exactly going to start. Are the Bengals back? I think they might be if Joe Burrow is healthy. He was definitely back. And then Jamar Chase, man, uh, 15 catches, 190-plus yards, three touchdowns, 50-plus PPR fantasy points. You didn't even need PPR this week, and he was getting you bukus of points. Um, totally went off against a Cardinals defense that has been pretty feisty up to that point. Uh, good get right game there for the Bengals and they relied on their two biggest superstars on offense to get it done. Justin Fields and DJ Moore. Is this the next great quarterback wide receiver combo in the NFL? I mean, they put up even better stats than this uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar chase connection. And this is the bears we're talking about on a Thursday night football game. They racked up the stats against um, the Washington commanders. And I think they're going to continue their connection. DJ Moore, more for all intents and purposes is the only receiver in this offense anyway, outside of Cole Komet. So uh, he is getting a lot of run. Brees Hall looked really good. 25 touches this week. That's the workhorse kind of uh, uh, workload that you were hoping that you were going to get out of him. Now that he seems to be healthy, it's looking great. George Pickens is really establishing himself as a top-tier receiver in this league. The Steelers' offense can just get anything consistent going. He is going to feast on uh, secondaries, especially once Deontay Johnson comes back and teams can focus on him less. His stats should continue to improve this season. The tight ends were on the rise this week. 14 tight ends with 10-plus PPR points in Week 5. That has to be a record for previous or for recent seasons. That's insane. All right, some bad stuff happened again this week. Obviously, Najee Harris still stinks in fantasy football. It's not working out. The Ravens pass catchers dropped everything. And then what is happening with Dak Prescott? That's all sloppy. We don't like it for fantasy. <clears throat> Sorry, there was so much good this week. I had to spend a little more time on the good. But um man, those Najee Harrison is just an afterthought as far as fantasy goes. This is your worst nightmare if you were high on him like I was going into the season. So, Could I um, drop him? You could, honestly. Um, you really could. And uh, Unless Warren were to go down with injury, and then you probably get a lot of run from, um, from uh, McFarlane behind him. So uh, I don't know. Uh, Warren obviously is a playmaker. So you could definitely drop Najee Harris if you, especially like if you pulled a, a Devin or a Devon A chain off waivers, something along those lines, and you've got extra help at running back, uh, maybe make him a, a trade target, get a wide receiver or something like that for somebody who just needs some depth. Maybe they're really struggling with injuries that have been going down. Um, you could do that as well. It's an option. 
You'd have to sell it really well, though. <laughs> Very. Yes. I'm not that good at trading, but it's worth hey, a try. It is worth a try. All right. Let's take our quick break here, Andrew, and get a word in from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to answer the big question. Is the offense salvageable this season? We're not talking about next year. This season. Don't go anywhere. The Steelers fix will be right back. Welcome back to the Steelers Fix, brought to you by all of us here at the Steel Curtain Network, part of the Fans First Sports Network. We are talking Steelers football. We are talking Steelers offense. After a win, yes, but another extremely ugly performance. Andrew, I don't think we've seen a a good performance out of this offense since one Matt Canada got the offensive coordinator position. There have been some surprise games, maybe. No games with 400-plus yards of offense. One game with 30 points or more, and that came in a loss to the Cincinnati Bengals last year. It's just not good and not sustainable in today's NFL. I'm going to ask you the question. I want you to give me your honest answer. We'll discuss it. I think we're probably going to have the same answer here. Um, But maybe some Steelers fans out there have some optimism left. Andrew, is this offense salvageable this season? Can we get anything? from this Steelers squad on offense in 2023? Um, no. The ste- <laughs> there's there's no other way around it. So when you, you were mentioning a minute ago about how like the offense had really not done anything that shifts any sort of positive attention on Matt Canada. Yeah. The Steelers have had offensive games where you look and say, okay, there was a lot of good in this game. But there's nothing about the good that would shift the attention to Matt Canada saying, man, that was a great scheme by Matt Canada, a greatly schemed game. Who would have ever thought of that? I mean, outside of the occasional jet sweep, I think that's about the only new thing he's really added. He's eliminated most of the bubble screens, which I think most people are happy with. But at this point, honestly, a bubble screen might be a sight for sore eyes just to see something out of of the ordinary. (laughs) But you 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 hit the nail on the head a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about how good coordinators find ways to get playmakers the ball. They specifically scheme up plays to get the ball. Like I I'm not Todd Haley as much as anybody, and I I do not believe the Steelers made a mistake by getting rid of him. I think they made the right decision by getting rid of him. However, he did know what he was doing when it came to finding ways to get Antonio Brown the football. When Antonio Brown emerged into the guy that at his peak was easily the best receiver in football, the Steelers did whatever they could to get him the ball. They would find decoys. They would use whatever they possibly could. They would exhaust every option to get him the football and make him the focal point of the offense each and every week. George Pickens is, I'm not saying he is Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown at his prime before he went AWOL and totally lost control of his life was on his track to being one of the best receivers of all time, in my opinion. 
This, it, I'm not saying George Pickens is there yet, but he is clearly the best playmaker on this team. You yeah. have to scheme ways to get him the ball. He's getting the targets now, but the, he could be even more efficient than he is. I mean, he's very efficient per catch, but per target, it's not quite as efficient. Yeah. That could change if they found ways to get in the ball and gave him chances to make plays in space. Uh, you know, he had one or two a game where, you know, he happens to find some open space because of a busted coverage or something like that. But teams are already starting to focus extra attention on him. They're seeing the safeties look over his way a little bit more often. There's nothing else that excites you on this team. Kelvin Austin was out, which may have had a factor in Pickens being the target leader. Fryermuth out. But you got to get the big guys involved. Darnell Washington still, like, we're waiting to see something from Darnell Washington. Get him the ball at some point. One catch for eight yards on like four targets this year. That's not not good. <laughs> it's not you. I, I really can't top what you you nailed it a couple weeks ago. It, it it took a while for it to kind of click in my head, but it was so 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 true. We can get. I, I I'll put it this way. I believe that the Steelers could mend their offense. If they replaced Matt Kanda, I wouldn't say they would fix it, but I believe the Steelers could be a contending team with a mediocre offense Okay, that was run by somebody other than Matt Canada that's brought in from the outside. Does that happen, though? No. If Matt Canada stays, the Steelers' offense cannot be salvaged. It cannot be fixed, regardless of how good the offensive line plays, regardless of how good Najee Harris maybe develops as the year goes on, regardless of how many times the Steelers get try to get the ball to George Pickens until – the system changes, mm-hmm. it's not going to matter enough. Yeah. Barring a major blowout on the practice field or in the meeting room between Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada, um, it, if he's not gone by the time this show runs on Tuesday afternoon, it's not happening. He's, he's right. the offensive coordinator for this season because, first off, Nobody's going to come in from the outside and and be able to put together anything resembling a a decent offense in over the course of uh, a season. You're, you're basically throwing out three or four games while you try to to learn something, and you know you can't do that in today's NFL. Um, you, you might could bring in somebody from the outside to consult your existing offense. Um, and maybe make some improvements there. But even still, uh, what you're gaining from that isn't going to salvage the offense this season. I don't, I don't believe that that is going to happen. Um, two, two reasons why I answer the same exact way as you. And you, ha- you laid out a, a bunch of good points there. But my two biggest reasons are um, every person, every playmaker on the Steelers offense doesn't matter the play call, the game situation, um, the weighty downs, as Mike Tomlin likes to say it. No singular person gets schemed anything. They all have to win one-on-one if if the Steelers are going to do anything. And so if you get up against a defense that can match you physically, that can um, out-scheme you, which is not hard to do, <laughs> then you're you're going to lose your matchups because George Pickens isn't going to win every rep. He's going to win a lot of reps, but not every rep. And even if he wins every rep, the offensive line isn't winning every rep. Kenny Pickett's not winning every rep of his. So if, unless you have absolute perfection from your offense, each individual player, you're not winning enough collective reps to make a play work. 
And so uh, it, it just leaves zero margin for error. And then the second thing is the guy who's leading this offense, Kenny Pickett, has zero belief in it. Bailing pockets, missing open receivers. He he's not seeing the offense because there's nothing to see. There's no there's no one two three uh, reads that that make any collective sense in this offense. There's no cohesion to it. There's no fluidity to it. So each individual play is different than the next. And I'm not a guy who dives into the film super close. I, I'm sure if you listen to um, Kevin Smith or, um, you know, Jeffrey Benedict back when he was doing podcasts with us, they, they got into the all 22. They, they could show you some of these things a little bit better, but it's so easy to see just from the casual fan watching the broadcast. And I didn't even get to watch the live broadcast and I, I you still see what's going on. So I just don't think even if you fire Matt Canada uh, by the time this runs and, and you say, okay, Mike Sullivan's calling our plays or <coughs> excuse me, or uh, Glenn Thomas is calling our plays. That's not going to do enough to salvage the offense this year because the problem is the, the entire system of, of offense that is being run. So now a couple things to go along with that. And I get your opinion on this before we, before we kind of close this out is uh, number one, you, you cannot after this season, move on from Kenny Pickett because you see enough out of him. You see enough in late in games, especially again, against the Ravens. He, he put the team on his back and drove down the field. They won the game. Um, you see enough of that. You see enough intangibles that you can't say, okay, well, when Matt Canada goes, Kenny goes and we're, we're clearing from scratch. You've got to get him somebody that, that has a tried and true offense that can call plays. Somebody who's been there, done that, and then see what you get out of him. And then in year three, if that doesn't work out and it's not just, you know, growing pains associated with a new offense, there's, there's a way you can tell these things then that's when you say, okay, maybe it's time to look elsewhere at quarterback. You cannot do that. Secondly, I know a lot of fans want it. I know a lot of Pittsburgh media is on this train. You cannot fire Mike Tomlin either because he he's, I still believe he's a good coach. He's a good leader. Um, he just doesn't have the personnel around him and that's his fault. Some of that's his fault. I'm not saying that, but you can't fire him after this season. You got to give him a chance with, an established offensive coordinator with this young team because they still know how to win some football games. They just need to be better offensively to actually compete with the better teams. Your thoughts on, on Kenny Pickett and, and Tomlin and the situation moving forward for those guys, even though it's, it's pretty obvious Canada has gone after the season, they're just not going to make the move in season. Yeah. I don't think you move on from Kenny Pickett, it's tempting because there are a lot of intriguing quarterbacks in this draft, and there's always that what-if factor. What if we're passing up on maybe the next great Steelers quarterback? But again, you know this team's going to go and probably 9-8. and eight. That's just how it works. The Steelers find ways to win enough games in ugly fashion, yeah. and this defense is going to keep them in some low-scoring games, that, that some of which they will be able to pull out despite Matt Canada. However, that's, that's going to put the Steelers down in that 18, 16 to 18 range of the draft again. So it's not like you're going to, it's not like the Steelers are getting Caleb Williams. If that's a different story, if the Steelers are the worst team in the league and you get Caleb Williams, obviously you take that and you 
do what you have to see if you can trade Kenny for something or whatever the case may be. That's not happening. You're not probably going to have a bunch of prospects for sure better than Kenny Pickett where you're going to be picking. So the the best thing you do is overhaul the entire system. Not, And I'm not saying Mike Sullivan is doing a lousy job, but I think you just have to clean house on offense. You get rid of Matt Canada. You get rid of Sullivan. You get rid of Eddie Faulkner, who I partially blame for Najee Harris's lack of development at the next level. Eddie yeah. Faulkner has been incredibly incompetent. This offensive running game has not been the same. People want to point the finger, you know, well, yeah, the Steelers haven't had great running backs. Well, James Saxon did it with Le'Veon Bell, and he did it again with James Conner. Once James Saxon left, this running game has not been the same in Pittsburgh since. It's not because the personnel is bad. It's because the player development in that area is bad. Eddie Faulkner deserves to go just as fast as Matt Canada, in my opinion. Wide receiver, I think if you're keeping anyone wide receiver, could probably, you could make an argument uh, for that to remain intact. But really, I don't think you're risking much by just getting rid of everyone, getting the offensive coordinator, and letting the offensive coordinator find the guys that he wants. Because Mike Tomlin, I mean, one of the best things as leaders is knowing the spots where they're weak in and learning how to delegate properly. If that means delegating the responsibility of finding other offensive coaching staff to either the front office or to whomever the next offensive coordinator is to help him run his system and Tomlin just keep his hands off the entire situation, that's what you do if you're a leader. Tomlin's a a solid coach. He's solid. He's not great because of this trait that he struggles with, and I believe it comes down to that delegation initiative area he is a he is a good leader he knows how to lead guys he he's a high character guy he's very disciplined uh but this is an area of his leadership where he is a little bit weak and a lot of people got on terry bradshaw a couple years ago with his great cheerleader comment and stuff he he is a player's coach and he gets along with the players he does that and a lot of people took that out of context i think i don't think terry bradshaw was saying that mike tomlin is a bad coach by saying he's a good cheerleader he's just saying he's not a great coach and we're realizing that Mike Tomlin is not a great NFL coach because we're seeing the same thing over and over. Good leaders learn, great leaders learn from their mistakes yeah. of the past. And if they can't cut, overcome that mistake, they find someone else, they bring someone else in to help them with whatever issue they're having. With Mike Tomlin, is hiring assistants. His assistants are year by year incompetent. Yeah. It's time to bring someone in who can help them in that phase and maybe allow the offensive and defensive coordinators to have a bigger say in who is hired as the assistants under them, maybe that would be the difference maker. I'm not saying you get rid of Mike Tomlin, but this is an area where Mike Tomlin has to just admit, hey, this is an area I'm weak in. I need to get somebody else to have a bigger say in this and just delegate some of that responsibility to someone else. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot for this team to figure out, and it's not all going to happen in 2023. It's just not going to do it. So, um Steelers fans, uh, this is the the hand of cards we've been dealt um, this season, and we were hoping for better. We were hoping that the the offense and the pieces and the growth and maturity of of the guys heading into another year in this offense would be enough to overcome uh, some of the issues we saw last year. It's just not enough. It's too the issues are too ingrained in the system. It's not enough. So, um you know, get the wins you can and be competitive, grow from those, uh, learn how to win the tough games, learn how to win the close games, maybe get to the playoffs and surprise somebody just because you have learned how to win those tight games. But 
this is not a Super Bowl contender. This is not an AFC championship contender in, in their current uh, form. So we just have to be aware of that and and make our uh, make our peace with that for 2023. All right. I wanted to throw this out here to you, Andrew, real quick. Coming out of the bye, the Steelers face the Los Angeles Rams and the Jacksonville Jaguars back-to-back. Um, I, I see this Rams game as a potential – really bad spot for the Steelers heading out West um, for a four o'clock start against a, another Kyle Shanahan tree offense. <laughs> that does not bode well for, for the Steelers to be able to keep up with them. And then you're playing a Jacksonville team. Who's, who's coming off a huge one against Buffalo. Then after that, you got Packers and Browns and Bengals. So you've got to somehow pull together some wins there, but it's starting to look like, this schedule here for the Steelers is it's going to be kind of a, you win one, you lose one, you win one, you lose one. And, and it looks just like another eight and or eight, and nine, nine and eight season uh, pending for the Steelers here. That's just what it looks like based on, on their current makeup. So um, is there, if there is anything the Steelers can do, maybe they can do it through the trade market uh, before the deadline. So I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this. It, does anything stick out to you? Maybe two or three positions that the Steelers could potentially target before the trade deadline to help improve the roster for this season, because you know, Mike Tomlin, he's still going to believe that they can win with what they've got and they've made moves in the past. They haven't been afraid to Omar Khan's not afraid to make moves, anything that they might try to do to uh, uh, attack this roster before the trade deadline and, and make it better with some outside help. I think the secondary Especially yep. when you're looking at the slot and you're looking at strong safety. Keanu Neal's made a couple splash plays, but overall he's been very unimpressive in coverage. I, I think that that would be a spot you could look at. I know I don't see this happening. It would just really be a bad look for the Steelers' front office. But the Eagles are – they have a lot of pieces at safety right now. They already have one safety spot manned up, and Sidney Brown is ready, and they're trying to get a lot of pieces involved there. They could easily get rid of Terrell Edmonds. There's been some rumors, you know, could he potentially get moved the deadline? It's not because Terrell Edmonds isn't playing well. It's just that they have a lot of pieces there in Philly, and they don't necessarily need their, all the safeties that they have right now. He could really help solidify this secondary that Steelers struggled against Dalton Schultz a week ago. Steelers struggled, and to an extent, against Mark Andrews. They know he only has six catches for 65 yards, but it was on a day where Lamar Jackson was struggling yeah. badly. And all other Ravens receivers were struggling to catch the ball. So the Steelers are not good against the tight end really this year. Yeah, I know it. it's always difficult to look at it on the stat sheet, but seeing how poorly tight ends are doing for, as receivers across the league, the Steelers are not doing that well covering the tight end. And that's because they don't, they don't have Terrell Edmonds. He was so good in that role. I, I think we would have said linebacker a couple weeks ago, but Quan Alexander played better yesterday. Yeah. We're starting to see a little bit more stability there. And hopefully once Cameron Hayward comes back in the defensive line can get some more push, maybe that will help the linebackers as well. I really think it's a strong safety and maybe nickel corner. Shannon Sullivan's I don't think is much of an answer there. I doubt Cincinnati's going to trade Mike Hilton. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, and the question is, do the Steelers bring back any former pieces that helped them when they were solidified, when they were a solid secondary? Right. It's just can they bring any of those pieces back and see if they can – make that work. I don't know if sure. that's going to happen, but I would say strong safety and nickel corner. If you want two areas, that's fine. I don't think you can really improve the personnel per se on offense that yeah. 
They have all the pieces. Defensive line, once Cam comes back, you don't necessarily have to add someone in the edge. There's depth. Steelers have the personnel everywhere outside of maybe strong safety. Keanu Neal's best days are behind him. And nickel corner, there's just no matter who's there, whether it's Sullivan or someone else, nothing has been impressive there. Yeah, I I kind of feel I feel like the Steelers should make a move at cornerback. Um, whether that's slot or an outside position to upgrade on Levi Wallace. Joey Porter Jr. came in in this game and top PFF coverage grade for any cornerback in the in the league in week five. I mean, do we see but, after the bye? Do we finally see him starting? I mean, it was like a difference between night and day. Wallace he, is out. He comes in. The entire defense is playing better. Yeah. How is Mike Tomlin and uh, even Terrell Austin? I love Terrell Austin, but how is he not seeing this? And then they brought Wallace back in and took Peterson out, and he was still better than Peterson. And so you're talking about you, you've got one lockdown. I really believe that. And Andrew, you were on board this Joey Porter Jr. train ahead of most people. He was what, your, your fifth? Ranked prospect fifth this overall. Yeah. Fifth overall prospect. Uh, okay. Small sample size. Yes. But the excitement should be building for Joey yes. Porter Jr. It really should. Especially when you've seen what else they put out there. Go maybe go get somebody from Denver. I don't know. From somebody who's kind of verging on a lost season here. Um, that has some starting experience. That's an, at least an upgrade on, on one of these two guys. So then you've got more options. Uh, I mean, James Pierre might be better than Levi Wallace at this point. I mean, seriously, give somebody a shot. If I have to look at number 29 on defense too much longer, then I'm, I might throw up in my mouth. It's just that bad. <laughs> and then nobody does this typically uh, unless you're, again, you've got an overpriced player um, here that you just need to deal um, just to get some cash for next year. Um, but center, the Steelers – could use some help at center. Um, and I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Probably not. Like I said, teams don't deal centers very often because there's few of them to go around few good ones. So, but you could use some help at center as well. Um, and, and to maybe solidify some, some help up front. Will the Steelers make a move? Probably not. We'll see um, just how it goes. But uh, Andrew, this has been fun. Um, anything coming up for you on the website for Steelers fans to know about before we head out? AFC North News and Notes comes out every week, usually on Thursday, roughly. Uh, we'll have that with latest news and updates around the division. Any injury updates, anything like that, you'll find in there. And then a lot of weeks, it's just really discussing what we discuss on here in written form. So keep an eye on that. As the college season continues, we'll start getting into player evaluations and prospect breakdowns and more mock drafts. That's not too far around the corner. I mean, Mock 1.0 is only about two months out, which is crazy to think about. But yeah, we're getting there. It's not very long. We're only six months away from the draft, which sounds like a lot, but it's really not that much time. Absolutely. And uh, definitely check out on Tuesdays and Thursdays my new fantasy football show on FFSN NFL feed. Uh, you can check that out. It's called the Fantasy First Podcast. We talk DFS lineups on Thursday and then on the Tuesday show that will be uh, running uh, today as well should be out already by the time you're hearing this um, we'll be talking injuries and also uh, waiver wire pickups so get those in before Wednesday hits and those waiver that waiver wire deadline passes that's going to do it for us here on the Steelers fix for Andrew Wilbar I'm Jeremy Betts we'll see you next week have a good one.